Hey guys, Matt here. Before we begin this episode of Tower Junkies, I just want to mention that we are currently running a contest where you can win a free Tower Junkies t-shirt. The contest runs from now until January 1st, 2018, and if you want to enter, all you have to do is leave a rating and a review of the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher, take a screenshot of the review, and email it to matt at obsessiveviewer.com with the subject line Tower Junkies T-Shirt Contest. On January 1st, I'll randomly select a winner from the entries and we'll get a free T-Shirt mailed to them. We'll be accepting entries until December 31st at midnight, so make sure you get the email in before then. Thank you guys for listening and enjoy this week's episode of Tower Junkies. You're clean, aren't you? Except for your tower. You're a tower junkie, Roland. Hello and welcome to Tower Junkies, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. Tower Junkies is a podcast devoted to Stephen King and his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series. In the show, we discuss the themes, characters, and mythology of the series in Palaver episodes, and we review the books and comic series in Keth episodes. We also discuss King novels related to the Dark Tower series, non-Tower King novels, TV and film adaptations of King's work, and the latest news about potential Dark Tower-related adaptations. You can find more of our work at TowerJunkiesPod.com and follow us on every level of social media at TowerJunkiesPod. And uh, in the, for this episode, it's just me, Matt Hurt, uh, your host for the week. Um, today, I'm going to be talking about my thoughts on Stephen King's novel, Christine. Um, I kind of, I don't remember why I picked it up to read it, but um, I just kind of on a whim, I have a bunch of Stephen King paperbacks and a bunch of... Uh, I have a big collection of Stephen King books that I want to read all of them. It's my goal is to read everything that he's written. So I picked up Christine and read that. Uh, this was a couple months ago, and now I'm here to review it. And then here in uh, here in the coming episodes, we're going to be reviewing uh, Christine, the movie. Uh, me and Tiny, uh, Tiny and I are going to be reviewing it. So, um, before I get into my actual review of Christine, a couple things right off the top uh, to talk about. One is our friends over at Castle Rock TV Podcast. Uh, They're calling it a day, unfortunately. Uh, They're closing down their podcast after 13 episodes. And, uh, you know, we're sad to see them go, but, um, man, they had had a great run. In 13 episodes, they, I mean, they're just really... um, they're really uh good uh podcasters <laughs> like they they have such a great chemistry over there skip and uh christopher and yeah so it's sad to see them go but i recommend checking out uh what they have of castle rock tv podcast and then also check out um 112263 an event podcast um for all their work um, and then, yeah, and then the other thing that I wanted to bring up is just real briefly, I, I went and saw uh, Justice League um, of last week. You'll hear, if you listen to The Obsessive Viewer, you'll hear me review it with uh, our friend Fekus. And that, I, I mean, the movie was just okay. I, I, you'll hear my review if you listen to the episode. But um, I did really appreciate the uh, Pet Cemetery reference that was made in the, in the movie. I, I got a kick out of that. Um, Ezra Miller really just kind of stole the movie. And finally, 
we do have t-shirts available for Tower Junkies. We just got a new um, logo designed, and I love it so much. Um, if you go to tpublic.com, just type in Tower Junkies, you'll find us there. Um, really love the logo. Really am excited to get my shirt in the mail. And uh, I'm going to be ordering one for Tiny for Christmas, so don't tell them I told you guys. Anyway, um, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, check that out. And then also we are running that promotion. So if you want a free T-shirt with a, new design, with a newly designed logo on it, uh, all you need to do is just write a review on iTunes, screenshot it, send it to matt at obsessiveviewer.com. Uh, you'll be entered into the drawing on January 1st. I will select a winner from the entries. So, and they will get a free t-shirt for tower junkies. So go ahead and do that. You have a little bit of time left. Um, make sure you get that in. So let's get into my review of Christine. Um, Christine is a book that I've, I've, it's been one of my Stephen King blind spots. Um, I've wanted to read it for a long time. I remember seeing at least parts of the movie. I think it was one of those things where when I was a kid, um, Christine was readily available on like HBO or, or one of the premium channels um, that we had. It might've been maybe even like sci-fi channel or whatever, but I'd seen bits and pieces of it. I have very vivid memories of, of uh, some moments in the movie but um, I remember being particularly uh, not not necessarily frightened, but kind of just on edge after seeing the movie because I, like the night that I watched the movie, or at least the majority of the movie, um, I went with my mom to she had to go get something from work or something, and uh, I went with both my parents, I think, and I stayed in the car when my mom ran in to get something like, I just remembered feeling like very uneasy cause I was just in a car at night and, uh, just after seeing Christine and it made me very nervous. But so that, that's basically my relation to Christine. Um, the movie, uh, the novel itself, I, I, this is the first time I've read it and yeah, I was very excited to read it. And before I get into my review, of course, my review is going to be uh, both non-spoiler and spoiler, so I'll let you guys know when I go into spoilers. But uh, let me kick it off with a reading of the plot description, courtesy of the back of the paperback edition of Christine. It's love at first sight for high school student Arnie Cunningham when he and his best friend Dennis Gilder spot the dilapidated 1958 red and white Plymouth Fury for sale, dubbed Christine by its original cantankerous owner, rusting away on a front lawn of their suburban Pennsylvania neighborhood. Dennis knows that Arnie's never had much luck in the popularity department or really taken an interest in owning a car, but Christine quickly changes all that. Arnie suddenly has the newfound confidence to stick up for himself, going as far as dating the most beautiful girl at Libertyville High, transfer student Lee Cabot, even as a mysteriously restored Christine systematically and terrifyingly consumes every aspect of Arnie's life. Dennis and Lee soon realize that they must uncover the, ar- the awful truth behind a car with a horrifying and m- murderous history. Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned, and heaven help anyone who gets in Christine's way. 
All right. So to go into my kind of general thoughts on Christine, the book, first of all, first and foremost, I was very intrigued by the uh, structure of the book. It's divided into three different parts. There's part one, um, Dennis Teenage Car Songs. Part two is Arnie Teenage Love Songs. And part three is Christine Teenage Death Songs. So part one and part three, those are first person perspective from Dennis's perspective. Um, part two is a third person, um, it shifts to the third person perspective and kind of goes into Dennis's or not Dennis's, but Arnie's, um, devolution, um, <laughs> to his, to his becoming more, uh, succumbing to Christine and, and the power of Christine. Um, I thought this was a very interesting narrative structure to put, to put in the, into the book. Um, it kind of, it kind of surprised me in, in a good way when I got to part two of the book. So in overall terms, the story was actually very, very good. I, I wasn't disappointed in it. Um, the kind of, the way that the way King writes Arnie's transformation throughout the book is very, uh, it's a, it's kind of a gradual depiction, but it's, it's never so much that he is, that Arnie becomes the villain of it. I kind of thought it would be more of a straightforward, like, okay, this kid is, uh, possessed by this car and he's going to become this evil, evil doer kind of thing. It's not at all like that. It's more about the, uh, Dennis's fight to save his friend's soul, essentially. And the way that the plot kind of unravels that way is really, um, engaging, it held my interest very well throughout the entire, throughout the entire novel. Um, and it was, King has a way of, of setting up a scenario, like setting up, like setting the basic premise and then taking the reader and the characters into a, um, into kind of a final climactic moment that really, uh, kind of has the apex of tension in the story. So the, in this case, I was, I was so curious how, how the hell they were going to get through all of it, how, how they were going to, how characters were going to come out of the si- si- uh, situation unscathed. And it really held my interest and, in, and, uh, was very a tense read for me. And there are some very, very fascinating, uh, uh, images that hurt throughout the, there's some great imagery in the book that, so some of the, it's no secret that Christine beca- is, is a demonic possessed car. And, uh, so the fact that King can write a book about a car that drives itself and murders people and make it not completely ridiculous and, and crazy is a testament to his ability as a writer. And I thought that the, depiction of the se- the sequences where Christine is on her murderous rampage um at certain points in the book were really fascinating um and very uh very gory like it was it was chilling to read about a car like cuz if you think about it if you're out in the winter and you see a car that has no driver and it goes after you like that's, that's a terrifying thought Like that's terrifying. And the depiction of it in the book is, is great. Like you could tell that King kind of seems like he had a lot of fun writing that those portions of the story. 
um, because they should be over the top, but he has this charm to his writing that makes it not not over the top, but more accessible and frightening. And the the various ways that that the um, horror elements are, are pushed through, like the the de- the varying degrees of Christine's um, actions makes it so that each each interaction she has each each time that she drives away on her own and does her own thing um each time is so different from the last and it really makes you wonder like how it's going to play out and there are some very interesting uh ways that king writes about vehicular death which also i have to say it was somewhat haunting to read this book now and read about a car that's, you know, like a car that at some points attacks people. Um, in the description of the victims, like the pain and, and uh, the injuries, um, it was kind of haunting to read it now, knowing that in 1999, Stephen King was himself hit by a, hit by a car. Um, so that was kind of, a, a, of an interesting layer of, of, uh, tension or not necessarily tension, but it made it it made for kind of a chilling read or uh, kind of a disturbing read. So the story is about Dennis and Arnie's friendship and Dennis and Lee's friendship and Lee and Arnie's relationship essentially. So there's this kind of triangle there. And then you have Christine kind of in the center of all things that is, Christine is is taking over Arnie and it is changing his personality and everything. But all of that is like it's an engaging story and it's very well told and everything. But I really liked how like my read on it at least was that um the depiction of not only Arnie Arnie's first love essentially. Arnie is a character who has always been kind of unlucky and is been kind of a a little bit of a pariah um, not only at school, but in his home life. And, and he's, he is the, he's the victim of controlling behavior around of everyone in his life. Even to an, to a certain extent, Dennis is kind of a controlling figure or maybe not necessarily controlling, but he, he and the people that love Arnie most, he and, uh, Arnie's parents for, for, uh, for instance, they are, protective of Arnie in a way that makes them smothering and controlling, even if they, even if they don't intend to be like, I don't think Dennis wants to control his friend. He doesn't want to have control over his friend, but he wants his friend to be his friend, his idea of his friend. I'll talk more about that in spoilers, but it's, it's an interesting dynamic to have a character who is coming, going through a transformation while everyone in his life is, uh, they're uncomfortable with the transformation because it is like an evil transformation, obviously. But also on the other hand, there's this kind of subtext of it that they don't want to lose their control over him. Even Dennis, he doesn't want to lose the status quo of, of the friendship that he has with Arnie. But again, I'll talk about that in spoilers. In the, the relationship between Arnie and Christine her, herself is, uh, is an interesting one because everyone remembers their their first car and like people there's this common kind of thing where you kind of fall in love with your first car this is your the first thing that you own that's 
that's yours. It's your, it's what gets you around. Like I, my first, oh God, my first car was, uh, was like an 83 Oldsmobile, I think. And like, it was a piece of crap. Uh, but it was awesome because I was in high school and I got to drive, drive my friends around and stuff. It was, it was fun. Um, and then even to another extent, when I was, when I turned 21, I bought my first new car that I actually still have to this day. I actually need to get rid of it. It's been 10 years. It's kind of, it's kind of, uh, not in great shape now, but I love that car. Like that's the first thing that I've owned. I worked, I worked so hard to, to buy that car. And so there's this, there's this, uh, this energy that exists, this kind of pride that exists when you purchase a vehicle for the first time. And that is a feeling, um, that I feel that King really, uh, uh, depicts very well in Christine because Arnie is, he's not this, he's not like a hotshot kid. He's, he's just this kid who is bullied and people control him and everything. And then he has this, this thing that's, that he's drawn to that is granted, it's kind of tearing away at his soul and everything, but he is still, he has this connection with this piece of machinery that, you know, everyone wants an escape and that's his escape is to work on the car and everything. And I think that it also speaks to a little bit about, uh, it, it speaks a little bit to the idea of, of addiction also. I don't know if this was intentional or I don't know where this was in King's own, uh, substance abuse problems and everything, but there is a case to be made about, um, the characters in Arnie's life, viewing his obsession with Christine as an addiction, as a type of addiction. There are passages in the book that read exactly like a character talking about another character who is, or talking about Arnie as if Arnie is a substance abusing drug addict, um, rather than just someone who is obsessed with his car and willing to, and is, and is changing his personality. It's very much feels like an allegory to drug addiction and, and substance abuse. And it's something that reads really, uh, really earnestly in, in the book. Um, but let me go into a more kind of, uh, detailed spoiler discussion. I'll stop talking about it in vague terms and go into spoilers. So if you haven't read Christine, and you don't want to be spoiled, go ahead and turn off this podcast, go read it or listen to it on Audible, um, and then come back and listen to it. I'll play a little bit of music here to transition into spoilers. Um, yeah. Okay, and so we're spoilers on for Christine, and let's see, so... There are certain points in the book that I kind of want to touch on here, and I kind of felt like, as I said, I kind of felt like the tragedy of, of Arnie as a character is that he's kind of controlled by everyone. At least early on in the book, it felt like um, he was very uh, the subject of being controlled. He was susceptible to being controlled. Like his mother is, um, his mother is very controlling. His both of his parents are very. Uh, uh, controlling and everything, but it also seems like Dennis very early on. And granted, this could also be a little bit of a narrator bias. Um, but it seems like Dennis in his writing, uh, was very, seemed very protective of Arnie. Um, it was sweet and, uh, 
like it's a sweet sentiment. Like he's this kid that he's he's got a lot more together than his friend Arnie. Arnie has you know his own demons and everything, and he doesn't fit in that well. Um, which to an extent felt like Dennis um, used his friendship with with Arnie as kind of a not not pity. It wasn't it wasn't a thing of pity, but it kind of felt like maybe Dennis felt better about himself around Arnie, but in that that protectiveness over arnie was sweet but it seemed a little excessive um and like that's fine because they because it's described that dennis has been friends with arnie for most of their lives and so that's that's natural but it kind of seems like dennis was a little bit controlling of arnie and so this whole first part of the book i'm going to go kind of part by part this first part where um after roland debay uh dies i like that um george the the scene with george and dennis isn't like a isn't like a hacky like george uh explaining to dennis like oh hey yeah the car is evil watch your friend and everything he's not like saying that outright he doesn't say that the car is possessed and can move on its own or anything he basically just goes goes through Roland's history with the car and then Dennis kind of is left to infer his own conclusions from it to an extent. And I also liked in this first section how the changes like Arnie's changes are being chronicled through the eyes of Dennis. Um, I liked that because it felt like it was good for the kind of mystery of what Christine is doing to Arnie. So he's just seeing like, he doesn't see, we don't get passages of Arnie alone with Christine and everything because we're f- coming from Dennis's perspective. So it's we're, it's like we're locked out of Arnie's mind while Christine is taking hold of it. So it's I, I really liked that uh, that way, or, or like I really liked that style of writing in the in the first part because it's the main kind of one of the biggest conflicts is Arnie uh, succumbing to Christine, and we are only seeing it as a third party observer from Dennis's perspective. And then I kind of want to jump around a little bit here and talk about Will Darnell for a moment. So Will Darnell owned the garage that Arnie worked on Christine in, and um, it kind of felt like throughout the entire book, all three parts of it, um, or really the first two parts, I should say, um, it felt like Will Darnell was being kind of groomed to being like a to have a bigger role in the story. Like Will Darnell finds out about Christine's ability um, to drive around on a, on her own. And, and he figures out, he's like the one person, the one adult really to figure out what the deal is with Christine. And he's, he's close enough to Arnie that he's, he's picking up on it being like a supernatural thing. And it goes to the point where he actually sees, he witnesses Christine doing her thing. And so it kind of just felt like when he died in the story, kind of toward the end of part two, I just, I didn't know how I felt about it because it felt like King wanted to make Darnell a bigger antagonist. And I was, I was under the assumption that he was going to have Darnell kind of, uh, go toward like manipulating Arnie or using Christine for some nefarious purposes. It kind of felt like that's what King was wanting to do, but then changed his mind in the middle of writing. Um, either that, or it felt like he just couldn't figure out how the hell Darnell could use <laughs> his knowledge of Christine to his advantage. 
So he just dumped. So it seems like King kind of dumped that thing. I haven't read anything to that. Uh, I haven't read anything about the writing or anything on this book. So I don't like this is pure conjecture on my part. Um, and there might be trivia somewhere out there to clear that up. But I just felt like Will Darnell was a weird, um, not weird, but kind of a, a letdown in terms of uh, depicting the, the characterization and, and uh, putting more importance into a character and then, and then just dropping them later. And then also kind of when, while I'm talking about the same thing, the same kind of negative aspects of it, there's an entire chapter um, early on in the book or in part one of the book. I think it's actually toward the end of part one. Um, the entire chapter, the chapter is literally titled Football Woes. And the entire chapter is Dennis talking about his football career in high school. And that's okay. Like it's fine. And as much as I love King's writing and I love, uh, the way that he kind of has this natural ability to just, just describe natural people in like normal people. As much as I love that, I can't help but think that this, this entire chapter about football and Dennis's problems with his with football in the season and everything like the thing he talks about how the team is losing and uh, like the coach hasn't had a losing season and like his entire career like it goes on and on and on um that felt like that was just not needed at all like it is like i guess it to play devil's advocate it does adequately set up that he plays football and so that sets up his football injury for later in the book. Um, but it's an entire chapter about a high school kid playing football in a book about a demonic car. I don't, it just felt like that could have been edited out completely. And it's not until the end of the chapter that, um, like the chapter itself ends with Dennis having a dream or thinking about Christine. And it seems like that passage, the passage about Christine in that in that chapter feels so out of place, and it feels like that chapter alone just feels like it sh- it belongs in a completely different book, and it feels like the the dream that he has about Christine is a complete afterthought. Like it, <laughs> it it honestly felt like King was writing a book or writing the chapter and got wrapped up into uh, Dennis's football career and then suddenly remembered, oh, yeah, I'm writing a book about a demonic car. I better throw in Christine here at the end. Um, it just it felt so out of place and kind of it kind of bugged me. And I read and like I read this book um, like a chapter or two each night before I went to bed. And like I was I was so ready for this chapter to end so I could go to bed. And I'm one of those people that if I'm reading a, if I'm reading something, I can't like stop in the middle of a page and then and then resume it later. I I want to end at a chapter, um, and it just kept going on and on and on about the damn football team. So, um, yeah, and it and it does. I mean, it does serve as as setup for his football injury, and that's fine. But we don't we didn't need a whole chapter on football. Um, so then anyway, so then we get introduced to Lee later in the later in the part 1 and Dennis describes his attraction to her and how uh, like I really like the depiction of his attraction toward Lee and also of the jealousy um 
he has toward Lee and Arnie, Arnie getting together. Um, and this kind of reinforces that whole controlling kind of persona. Like, I don't think in the book, and this is something that's to King's credit, um, I don't think in the book that he, that Dennis would uh, knowingly admit to this or anything, but I feel like this moment where he is jealous of Arnie and Lee, first of all, it's a very teenage thing to do. Yes, she is the most beautiful girl in school. His, his best friend is now dating her, and he's naturally jealous of that. But he's, I feel like he was so protective of Arnie, but he views Arnie the same as everyone else does, even if he doesn't admit it, which I thought, I thought was very interesting. Like, he is, he's Arnie's, like, biggest cheerleader. Like, he's Arnie's big, he's Arnie's best friend, but he, just like the entire student body of the high school, thinks, oh, Arnie shouldn't be dating Lee. That's, that doesn't make sense. And he has that, and I think that's where it's steeped in jealousy for him. Um, and so, yeah, so then part two of the book switches the perspective to third-person perspective, and we get more, basically Dennis is out of the picture throughout most, if not all, of this entire part, um, which I thought was interesting. I, it was interesting. Coming off the heels of reading The Dead Zone, which had kind of a similar, uh, not, not necessarily similar structure, you can read or you can listen to my review with Tiny of The Dead Zone book, but it had a very strange structure where each part had different, like very distinct parts. It wasn't like there's a whole new cast of characters in each part in the dead zone. But with, um, this with Christine, it's just each part has a different, uh, narrative structure, uh, from the one previous to that. So it was, it was kind of, I don't know. It was kind of jarring to, to lose Dennis, for such a long stretch of time in the book, but I really felt like the tension was upped quite a bit throughout the, um, throughout the second part, because you know, at this point, like you're not, we've had an entire, an entire third of the book kind of go through the, um, suspicion of Arnie transforming and the suspicion of Christine, there being something wrong with Christine and something threatening with her. And then the second part is basically Arnie succumbing to Christine and experiencing the strangeness and and the uh, supernatural elements of Christine and being drawn to, toward it and himself becoming a victim of it in a sense. In this seek this sequence, this whole section of the book opens with a huge fight between Arnie and his parents and. His mom is depicted again as a controlling woman and and also kind of an alcoholic. And in that moment, it kind of made me think that like Arnie was going to just go batshit crazy over, uh, over the course of the book. But fortunately it didn't quite go that way. I, I like the way that it was, um, depicted or the way that it was, uh, written throughout the, throughout the book. Although the kind of, uh, crossing state lines, the, um, criminal enterprise thing that he had with Arnell was kind of, kind of a throwaway plot. Like I, I felt like that didn't really lead anywhere too satisfying, but it, with the, one of the things that I really, really found fascinating with Arnie's kind of transformation and, and obsession with Christine is that he transforms into LeBay. It is, it's not so much that I, I thought early on in the book that maybe the car 
was possessed by some kind of demon that would uh that personally like creates in its owner um its perfect mates it kind of i kind of equated it to like someone who dates someone after uh, a breakup and then tries to tries to see the qualities of their ex in the new person they're dating if that makes sense to the point where maybe like Christine isn't over LeBay. So, uh, she's got this new, this new guy, Arnie. And so she's going to live vicariously, not live vicariously through him, but, um, transform him into LeBay to fit her own, you know, romantic thoughts of her first owner, uh, which Talking about that as a, I'm talking about a car's feelings. (laughs) That is just kind of ridiculous, but it works pretty well in the book. And that's, while that's not technically what happens in the book, I could easily see that being, um, I could, uh, while reading it, I could actually, I could easily see that being a possibility for the plot. And so Christine starts her kind of rampage, her killing of of people right around the halfway point of the book. And at that point, I kind of really found myself really liking the way the book was paced because it it doesn't draw out too much stuff, but it it saves the more uh, harder to harder to uh, buy into aspects of the story. It saves it until you're really sucked into it. Like this is a car that's coming to life and killing people you would think that's 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 going to uh stretch a lot of uh you're going to have to suspend some disbelief for that but the way the book is paced like that doesn't happen until about halfway through the book when you're already drawn into the story and the setting and the characters and so you can you can buy into it in an organic way and like i said the story works really well as a story of addiction uh with there's a scene um, shortly after Christine kills her first victim, but there's a scene where Lee kind of lays everything out to Arnie after she uh, almost chokes in the car. And that scene is particularly powerful because it feels like like that entire scene. I, I, I didn't put the um, page number down, but the actual passage reads a lot like an intervention for an addict. And... Arnie just won't hear her and won't even come close to admitting the truth and, and admitting that she's right. And I, I thought that was a very, very powerful moment in the book because it felt like an allegory to addiction and, and interventions for addictions. And so as, as Christine becomes more possessive of Arnie and as Arnie becomes more transformed into LeBay and Christine, there's moments where a a couple scenes, I believe where Arnie is driving and he's, it's like he's being transported into the fifties in a sense, like the car turns everything around him, like everything outside the windows of the car turns into a fifties style vision. And uh, the car car radio only tunes to music from the fifties, the oldie station. And then there's a scene where, where he hears like music. It's not necessarily the oldie station, but he actually hears music from the fifties with news cast from the fifties and everything. And it felt like I was wondering at that point, if Christine was trying to turn him into LeBay to, in order to relive her heyday. Um, that was my, that was my interpretation of it at that point. 
but it was more LeBay trying to like actually taking him over. But it's, it was just a fascinating way, uh, um, to depict a car basically overtaking a person's personality and everything. And so there are a couple more deaths and they're, they're very gruesome. Like, um, Don Vandenberg's death. It, I think that that may be my actual like favorite Christine death. Um, the way that it's set up is that the entire town is closed down for uh, due to a blizzard, so all the roads are closed, and then he's attacked by Christine, and the the snow kind of conceals the fact that it was Christine. Uh, and I just I love the way that that was that was done. Um, I thought that was very very ominous and. Uh, creepy. And then, as I said before, we get Will Darnell's death, which is, which is pretty, pretty good. It kind of, I was riding the high of Don Vandenberg's death. So Will Darnell's was, it was shocking. I didn't really see it coming, but it uh, it didn't have the impact that, that Don Vandenberg's did. But, um, again, I just felt like Darnell was being set up for a bigger antagonist, but it didn't really work out, um, for him. So, the way that he's kind of, I would almost say unceremoniously dumped at the end of season or not season, but the end of part two of the story kind of felt a little bit lackluster to me, even though it ended a big part of the book and it was a big moment in the book. I still wasn't really feeling it. Um, so part three kind of brings back Dennis and he, uh, develops a romance between himself and Lee. Um, I really loved this, uh, this character development, um, cause they both know that they're going to hurt Arnie and, but they, they've both been kind of hurt by Arnie and they're two people who, who love this guy and are watching him transform into something that he is not. And the kind of romantic, uh, connection that forms between them feels very genuine and, and, uh, nice. Like the whole time that they're talking early on in part three, the tension feels so, uh, again, genuine that it's to the point where you kind of almost cheer when Dennis finally kisses her. And that is, uh, kind of interesting because, you know, that's kind of a crappy thing to do to your best friend is to, to form a, form a relationship with his girlfriend, ex-girlfriend that he's on the outs with but you still cheer for him. And I, I, I was very, uh, taken with, with that, um, that development between the characters. And then that chapter where they kiss for the first time ends on a very ominous and, and chilling passage. It says, uh, I don't think it occurred to either of us that until then we had done nothing unforgivable to Arnie, nothing that might anger Christine. But now of course we had. So that I thought was a great way to open part three and to really bring us into this final act of this story. And it sets it up for a very thrilling finale, very thrilling ending to the story because it's very, you know, it's true. Like they, they've done something terrible to Arnie and they are, they are now, um, risking the, the wrath of Christine. And at that point, I just, I really didn't see any outcome in which Arnie was going to be redeemed or brought back. Um, I, I knew from that point on that he was, he's a tragic character. He's going to die. And when it gets to the point where Dennis and Lee are, are figuring out their final, their, basically their solution to 
to the situation. Um, I just, I just felt a, a very clear sense that it was, uh, it wasn't going to end well for a lot of people. Um, I definitely thought that it wasn't going to end. I knew that it wasn't going to end well for Arnie, but I didn't know how Lee and Dennis were going to fare. I knew that obviously Dennis was going to make it out cause he's writing the story, but Lee was up for, um, was, was kind of up in the air as far as her survival. And, I kind of like the way that the book is kind of secretive about Dennis's plan. Um, because at that point I like, as I'm right, as I'm reading it, had I not known some details from the, um, from the movie, I wouldn't know how the hell they could possibly beat Christine. Like, like it is, it's a very clear, like, uh, very hard scenario to, to put some characters into like there, there's, not an easy solution to this situation, especially when you have basically your friend possessed by this, by this thing to destroy that thing while also trying to save your friend is like, that's a very tough, difficult situation uh, to go in. So imagine my kind of amusement when <laughs> basically the solution is, yeah, I'm just going to pound the crap out of Christine with this big, uh, I think it was a garbage truck and we'll get that, you know, that we'll kill it that way. Um, and it's, and it's fine. Like, I mean, that's really, that's the only solution to the problem itself. Um, to actually taking down Christine is, yeah, let's, let's make it into a little cube. Um, and I like the way that the plan goes awry, obviously, and I like the I, the actual climactic moment of of them taking down Christine is very very thrilling and well done. Like I was I was gripped by it. I really enjoyed it. The big shocker of it, the thing that I I mean I was kind of devastated by honestly was the reveal that Arnie's dad was in the car and Arnie's dad's dead. Like Christine had murdered Arnie's dad. Um, that was that kind of tore me apart because we get and I haven't really talked about Arnie's parents, but we get some very good moments throughout the book where um Arnie's dad and Dennis are kind of they have this understanding that yes, Arnie Arnie is kind of special and that Dennis is like Arnie's father tells him tells Dennis to take care of him and and it's just it's just so it's so messed up to have that have that moment where um Dennis sees that you know Arnie's dad's dead like I just I I loved that that was that was probably my favorite part of the entire book was the the reveal that Arnie's dad was was killed um and then it's a downer that I mean they're both Arnie's mother and Arnie were killed also while this was going on and I mean that kind of felt like a little bit like cleaning up um <laughs> Uh, because there's no real way that you can really uh, save Arnie at that point. But it made for the kind of end of the book to be kind of a bittersweet and, and downer ending. That uh, that kind of epilogue where uh, Dennis is telling us the story of, of basically the aftermath of it, how he and um, Lee were together for a while, but then they grew apart, and now he's a teacher and she's married and, and all that stuff. Um it's, I mean, it's, it's, 
it feels authentic. That's that's the best way I could describe it. It feels like an authentic ending um, to the story. And I love the kind of classic uh, horror ending where, you know, it's, it's uh, suspected that she's still out there. So overall, I enjoyed Christine quite a bit. I... Um, even though it had some kind of superfluous things about it, like Will Darnell's entire subplot, or I wouldn't even call it a subplot, just his, his characterization throughout it, his, his development wasn't to my liking that. And then also, uh, that one weird chapter about football. Other than those two things, it was a very enjoyable book and I was very much, uh, taken with it. I'm very excited to see what John Carpenter does. Uh, with it. Um, we're going to be reviewing the 1983 movie here soon on the podcast, but uh, I haven't seen it since I was a kid and I only remember bits and pieces of it. So I'm excited to watch that again and check it out. And uh, yeah, so overall I, I really enjoyed it. it. I don't know where it ranks with my, in my Stephen King um, list here, but I mean, it's not like a top five King novel or anything for me, but it is, it's pretty up there. Um, did I actually add it to the, yeah, I did. Okay. So I put it right underneath the shining, which the shining is like number eight or nine. Wow. I need to reread the shining and see where that would land again. Cause I'm not sure about this, uh, list. Yeah. The shining is number 10. So Christine is number 11 on my list. So it's about in the middle of the pack of the books that I've read, uh, of King, but, but yeah, I'll, that's always a changing list. So We'll see how that goes. Um, so kind of to wind down a little bit and to kind of, as I'm winding down this episode, uh, something that I, I've noticed that we keep forgetting to do in these uh, book review episodes um, is that we don't really, we haven't really connected them to the Dark Tower that much, which this is Tower Junkies. It's a Dark Tower podcast. So I couldn't really find that much of a connection between the Dark Tower and Christine, obviously, except for Roland D. LeBay, the name Roland. Um, I think that King just likes the name um, Roland. Uh, and then also kind of, and this could be, this could be honestly an entirely different um, type of episode that we could maybe do in the future. But I kind of found myself wondering like, how, how does, uh, how would the Cotet fare against Christine? Like if you were to take the Cotet from the dark tower and put it into a, another King story, how would it fare against it? And I could see definitely a story where, um, maybe Eddie is, is charmed by Christine and, uh, because he, he's, you know, a recovering addict and the Cotet has to kind of rescue him from it. I don't know. I'm not, you know, obviously I'm not, uh, I'm not King, so I can't write that, but, um, yeah, I would think that Roland could kind of blow it all to hell. But another connection that I kind of, uh, noticed a little bit was that Petunia, the, uh, truck that, uh, Dennis uses to destroy, um, Christine is described as, as pink. And that reminded me of, uh, Blaine the Mono. Um, so that just reminded me of that. And that's pretty much all the connections I could pick up on. If I missed anything, let me know. Cause, um, yeah, I'm definitely interested in, uh, knowing if I did or not. So I'm going to wind down this episode. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, 
Yeah. So let me know what you thought, what you thought of Christine, uh, the book. And then we are going to be, like I said, reviewing the movie here soon on the podcast. And yeah, and I promise we'll get some more, uh, dark tower stuff going. Um, at this point in the, in the feed, I believe we just released our episode with Tony, with me and Tony talking about the gunslinger. So, uh, he is, Let's see. He he has finally gotten uh, the drawing of the three, so he's going to be listening to that soon or reading that soon, and then um, I'll be listening to it. So we'll have him on sooner rather than later to review uh, the drawing of the three, and then Fekus, I'm sure, is about to start the Gunslinger at some point. So we'll have him on for our actual Kef episodes where we go part by part through each book in the series. So uh, look forward to that coming soon. And again. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes and send us a screenshot and you'll be entered in to win a free t-shirt um, uh, for Tower Junkies. Um, it looks pretty cool. The logo looks really cool on a shirt. Um, so definitely do that. The deadline for that is December 31st. And yeah, I think that'll do it for this episode of Tower Junkies. Long days and pleasant nights. Thank you for listening to Tower Junkies, a Dark Tower podcast presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at TowerJunkiesPod.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can find ways to do that at TowerJunkiesPod.com slash donate, or become a patron for Obsessive Viewer at Patreon.com slash Obsessive Viewer for recurring donations with different reward tiers. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can contact us by emailing us at matt at obsessiveviewer.com or by tweeting us at towerjunkiespod or at obsessiveviewer and at obsessivetiny. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash towerjunkiespod. For more podcast content from obsessiveviewer.com, check out Anthology, my solo side project podcast where I'm reviewing The Twilight Zone as a first-time viewer and exploring other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology television shows. You can find Anthology at anthologypod.com and anywhere podcasts are found. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the app of your choice. Once again, thank you for listening to Tower Junkies, and we'll see you next time.